Good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daflam and Dalad in Maseches Sukkah. We have this chos of starting Lulav Agazel, and we have this chos now of starting Elul. And so we have a lot of schuyos. May we be zocha to fulfill our potential and turn these schuyos into actual uh, advancements in Torah and Chesed and Avodos Hashem. Okay, so we start with the Mishnah, eight lines up, as we said, Lama Gimel and Bez, Arava Gzula Veveshe Psula. We're starting to see a pattern here. This is not lost on Rashi. Rashi will address this, that just like we saw in the beginning of our parak, Alulav Agazel, Vayavish Pasel, and Shalasher, Vishir Hanidachas, the same list we already learned in the Mishnah about the Hadas as well. And now we're learning it about the Arava. And by Ahmed Bez, we'll be learning about the Esrog as well. So the same list, we'll explain it a little bit here, and then we'll explain uh, through Rashi why we're using this format in the Mishnayas as follows. The Arava and Gezula is just like we said by the Lulav. It's because it's Begam and Lachem. As Rashi explains, Lachem applies to all of the Dalminim. They have to be yours. Okay. The Avesha puzzle for the same reason, we'll have, we have the famous Machlokas Rashi Tosfos. Is it Zekeli Van Veu or is it Priyates Hadar? Whatever the case may be, certainly once it's so dry that it doesn't resemble anything like the way it's supposed to look in nature, so then it, it's not even that thing anymore, and therefore it's considered puzzle. Shalasher v'shalir hanidachas. So this was interestingly by the Lulav, you might recall. We said this had to be talking about the, well, ir nidachas is supposed to be burnt. Once it's burnt, it's halachically, the shear is considered halachically insignificant, is chatuse mechta shira. It's as if it's ashes, it's like dotted lines. The volume is still there, and it could be lush to the physical eye in, right, in, in the physical world, but in the halachic world, it's considered garnished, it's considered nothing, because of the fact that it, it, deserves to be burned. That's in an Irani Dachat. The Asherah, we don't go and uh, burn Asherahs now. That was this week's Parsha we learned, right? In, in uh, Parsha's Re'eh, uh, the notion of ent- upon entering into Eretz Yisrael, the idea of burning the Asherah. And that's why they say in the Gemara, this is Asherah of Moshe, an interesting Lashon, the uh, Asherah of, where the tree that the generation of Moshe Rabbeinu, that is the generation that Yeshua eventually brought into Eretz Yisrael, and that generation had to burn all the trees, and it's therefore those lulavim of Asherah which uh, are going to be puzzled. And that would be true, presumably here, for the Hadassim and the Aravos as well. So that's interesting, puzzle. And again, Niktam Rosha, the top was clipped off, Nifritzu Aleha, the leaves were torn. Um, right, we had some Achloksin with regards to Nifritzu Aleha, that, that was a Machlokas Rashi Tos was about, are they completely torn and then brought together, just tied together like a broom? Interesting, um, interesting uh, Machlokas there. They had Tzaftzafa, we'll discuss at some length in the Gemara what the Tzaftzafa was. It was a type of Arava, uh, but it was shaped differently enough that we knew there was something else, and the Gemara will explain why that was going to be puzzle, as the Mishnah says, puzzle. And so what's interesting here, maybe this would be a good point to point out Rashi, that up until now, right, Hagazel, Hayavesh, the, right, the Asherah, the Yernidachas, and the Niktam Rosh, and that all sounds like Lulav and Hadas and everything like that. And we apply it to Rava as well. So it's fascinating how we have the same format and we repeat it for each Min. So that's what Rashi asks. Why are you going and repeating it for each Min, right, as if you're doing Hakafos, so to speak, 
around the minim. Why don't you just say all the minim and say all of these psalm at once? So Rashi points out that each one has its own thing, right? The way the question is, it's four lines from the bottom on Lama Gimelod Bays. It says, you have Dalad, why are you doing it? Right, like we said, in other words, Rashi's asking us a question. We should have mixed it together and organized it as so. So he says, no, I, it's because the Yesh Kol Echad Masha'in Bechavero. Right? So by Lulav, we had the Tzinehar Barzel, which is a spe- special type of short, right, palm tree that looked different than anything else. And so that's something that appears only with respect to Lulav. And so that ha- had to appear in that Mishnah. Lo Shayachel Lulav, as the Mishnah says. Um, the idea of Hadas. Uh, we have the berries, the anov of meruvi me'alav, which is the berries that are more plentiful than the leaves. That is unique to Hadas. I want to discuss that for a minute. And over here, the tzaftzafa, the tzaftzafa we just mentioned, which is why it's a good time to point it out, that little detail of a tzaftzafa being puzzle and being like a certain, that having a species, so to speak, of a rava that is totally different is unique to a rava, and therefore we do not... Uh, we mentioned that Arava separately for that reason. And so we have a reason why we have a unique aspect of each one of these. And so for that reason, we mention each of the um, Mishnayos, each of the, them in separate Mishnayos, says Rashi. Interesting. And we'll see by the Ezra, hopefully today, that this idea of Orla and Truman, all these things that have to do with produce, of which, interestingly, you will note, the other Dal Minim are not, right? The others, they're just leaves and branches, which are not really produced. People don't really sell them as such. But the esrog can and is sold as such, has to be treated like a fruit. And therefore, those considerations of Arla and, and Maestras and those things are only, as we will see in the Mishnah, only relevant to the esrog. And that is why all four Mishnahis are in the format that we have now. Um, it would be, I, I think it would be remiss if I didn't point out, yesterday's daf, I had hoped to teach, as I'm doing today, remotely, Tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, hope to return to Bnei Jacob Shire Zion live at 5.35 a.m. But the uh, thing that, one of the things that we missed that goes on in the yeshivas um, is the very famous sugya of the anavim, right, being greater than the leaves. And when you have berries more than leaves, the question there, what the Gemara had said, was a fascinating idea. The question is like this. You are in Yantiv and you have more berries than leaves. That's usur. So the question is, why don't you just eat the berries and then it will be kosher? Well, the answer there is, well, you are actually, you're allowed to do that, right? You're not, you're not plucking, mind you, you're not plucking this off the tree. This is not the, uh, right, this is not the malacha da raisa of, of, of kotzer. This is metakein mana. You're, you're fixing the hadas. That's the problem. Well, the question is, you're not fixing the hadas, let's say, that you are, had the intention of eating the berries. You're not looking to fix the hadas. You only have the intention of eating the berries. This would be called, right, um, the question then is, um, the, the Gemara says that's a psikresha, however, it's a psikresha, which we say psikresha delonichalei is equivalent to cutting off a chicken's head. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, you don't want it to die. You only want to play with the chicken head. But yes, this is an action that's defined as right cutting off the chicken's head. So that was the. I'm just reviewing a little bit of Gemara yesterday because this is quoted in Davav and Ksuvis and elsewhere. The Bnei Yeshivas. I, I would venture to say. I would wager that Daflam and Gimel. In Lulavagazel, that particular question of the psikhrei shedlo uh appears anytime 
time that that machlokas, uh, that topic comes up, this Gemara will be quoted. So it's very, very famous, Tosfos and Rishonim, and the discussion here, Rebbe Chanan discusses this is a famous Aruch that bases it off of our Gemara, because the answer of our Gemara ends up being, we'll say, well, wait a minute, it's Psik Resha. It's going to turn into Hadas, so it should be Asr, says the Gemara. No, it's okay, because why? Because he has another Hadas. And therefore, he can be Yotze without eating this. That's fascinating. So the Aruch sees in this the idea, his uh, halacha, that he's Mechadish over here, that he's famous for knowing, that Psik Resha, right, uh, when you're talking about um, right? Um, when you're doing a davashayin the psik reisha is mutter in this case where lo That that's what our gemara is actually saying. It uses our gemara as a data point that when you again are eating the berries and it's a davashayin because that's your intention to eat the berries, not to fix the hadas. So in a case where you already had another hadas and you did not need this hadas in order to write piyotze, so then it would be mutter. Wow. Well, that's not, not everybody agrees with this. Um, and there's even a question of whether this, how would you wiggle out of this? In other words, the Gemara clearly says if he has another hadas, then it's mutter. Well, you could wiggle out of it just by, you don't have to go so far and stand in your head. You could just go with Rashi. Rashi simply says like this, if you have a hadas with berries, Okay, so if you're looking from perspective of Dalad Minim, as we're in Masacha Sukkah, so it's hard not to, so yes, it's Metake and Mana, of course. But listen, Charlie is six, he's 16, he just came home from Yeshiva. He opens up the fridge on Yantiv and he sees delicious berries. On a, on a, on a, they're already on the, on the stand, but that's okay. And he's eating berries. He has no clue, no clue that he's, that he's actually fixing this hadas and, and there's plenty. Everyone, everyone's dalad minim is already ready. So would you say in that case, right? Let's say he ate the berries, and all of a sudden he inadvertently, totally inadvertently, turned the hadas from puzzle because it has more berries and leaves to kosher because now all the berries are eaten. So would you say there that that's a psik reisha de lo nichalei or the nichalei? Would it matter whether he had other hadasim or not? So. So it would seem clear that there are some cases, and this is exactly basically what Rashi is saying. Rashi is saying if he happens, Rashi is saying that if he happens to have right, you have the house. Everyone has all their lulav sets already set up, and you're just opening up the fridge and you're eating the berries and and totally inadvertently turning into kosher. Everybody would say that even though it's a psikrasha, certainly you turn it into kosher if you're going to eat the berries. That's going to happen per force. But even though everybody would say that, nobody would say that. It's a psik reisha de lo nichale. It's a davish. It's simply a davish einam iskavin, right? It's simply not even his intention at all. I mean, there are certain actions that can be defined, even though it's psik reisha, that it doesn't mean. So, so it's psik reisha. What does that mean? Do you not eat berries? So Rashi would say, no, you're allowed to eat berries. This is not really necessarily even an example of a davish einam iskavin psik reisha de lo nichale. The only question, according to Rashi, is if your only intention was to literally eat berries and you weren't even thinking of Metakin Mana, so why, in the absence of another uh, Hadas, would it be a problem of Davashain Miskavain? That's, that's an interesting question. And so that becomes the Chiddush of the Gemara, that in the event where you needed this, halachically, in order to be halachically yotze with the hadas, so even if that wasn't your intention by the fact that you did it, the psik reisha, in fact, turns it into a, uh, a malacha. So this is a very, very cursory, right, 
um, treatment. Uh, there's a Rabbi Chanan that talks about what how it works. The Psik Reisha Delo Nichale um, by Davashenu Miskavin. Does the Psik Reisha make it as if the action is what you intended to be, to be, or does it mean that we treat it as if that was your Machshava? Ayin uh, Shum Rabbi Gross and his amazing WhatsApp group discusses, but this is not for now. I just didn't want to at least uh, go through Lamed, get to Lamed Dalet and touch on Lamed Gimel without at least um, referring to that famous sugya with regards to Hadas and the berries and the Dovashen and Miskavin and Psik Reisha over there. But uh, I think the Rashi there is compelling, but there's also, the, the, this pluses minuses in all the cases. Uh, it really um, warrants weeks, if not months, of Ian on that particular topic, wanted to alert you to the location of that topic over there. Okay, so now we're just finishing up in our Mishnah um, over here. So we said, right, so the Tzavtafa, as we said, is unique to the Arava. We'll get to that. That's possible. And then we said, Kamusha, Venusha, Miktas Alea, if it's a little bit withered, if some of the leaves fell off, or Shabal, or if it's a Stabal. Stabal means it's, it's like in the middle of the field. Right, it's not Arve Nachal, as we'll see, that's the Pasuk, right? So even if it's in the field, Kashera, it's going to be Kashera, it doesn't have to be found in the actual stream, which is good, right? All your neighbors, I don't know, in Israel, Rabbi Eli Lerner Shlita, right, had a, a Rava bush, and we use that every year, and he didn't live, even though it's called Nachal Tamar, ain't no Nachal near Nachal Tamar, it's landlocked Beit Shemesh, okay. Says the Gemara. So when you look at the Pasuk, and it says, Wow, beautiful. Wow, go to the brook, get it? No. Um, not necessarily. Sounds like it's growing by the brook. Another interpretation is, It's referring to the shape of the leaves. Right? That the right the leaves of the arava should look like that like like a nachal. So that's that's a little that's different. So we'll see. Okay, says the brisa Tanya idach. Similarly to what we just said, arve nachal only ella arve nachal. You would have thought that it was only those that grow by the brook. But shabal v'shalhar minayin. How do we know that you can actually have it? So this is more explicit. How could they be in the field or mountains? And not by the streams. So now we have, right, a more explicit brisa that kind of spells it out that that was the limud. The limud was, arve nachal means all sorts of aravos, wherever they be. Uh, why nachal? Because that is referring not to their location where they have to grow, but rather to their shape. Okay. Now, expounding a little bit more on this pasuk. Abba show, omer arve shtaim. This is where we learn that you need two aravos. Whoa, wait a minute. Why, yeah. So here he's not saying that you need two aravos in our um, lulav set, but he means one for the lulav and one for the base mikdash, which is referring to Hoshana Rabbah. So one for the sukkahs, the paraphernalia, and the other one is the right, as, as Rashi points out, as we will describe, the, all this Hoshana Rabbah stuff that we did in the base of mikdash, which, which we'll actually describe already in Memeo and Bez. We'll go through that whole ceremony, but this is alluded to in the Pasuk. Then asks, Well, where did we learn this idea of the Mikdash? Um, if, they, if they are learning Arve Nachal for something else, says the Gemara, They learned the Hoshana Rabbah ceremony as a Halacha Lamoshim Sinai. The Amar Asi Amar Yochanan, as Rashi explains, there was a shear given by Rabbi Yochanan, Ravasi quoted, 
Three halach l'moshim yisinais aren't necessarily related to each other, but three halach l'moshim yisinais that were taught that one day in Shir, and these three, when found in Shas, are usually bunched together. One of them is being our halacha, that you have the ceremony of Hashanah Rabbah with the Aravos. But for the sake of completion, let's, full disclosure, explain the three halach l'moshim yisinais that are usually set together in the Shir. The first one is Eser Netios. This is a huge DYC. This is mamish today. What do I mean? Eser Netios are 10 saplings. What does 10 saplings have to do with anything? Well, it's not really related to the Aravos at all, but it is one of the Halakha Lamashim According to the Halakha Lamashim if you are, listen carefully, if you are on, let's say, Elul, approaching a Shemitah year, do you know what we are? Yesterday was Rosh Chodesh Elul approaching a Shemitah year. Unbelievable. Daf Yomi coincidence. That halacha, in that 30-day period that precedes Rosh Hashanah of the Shemitah, look at Daf Gimel Mot Katan, you will learn that you can usually, whereas normally you have Hosefes, just like you have Hosefes Shabbos, right? Hosefes Shabbos. And normally you stop plowing the land on today, right? Or yesterday, Rosh Chodesh Elul, uh, before a, right, before you have a Shemitah year, there are exceptions to that rule, and those are the 10 saplings, because when you have a density of 10 saplings, what we call asarnatios, esarnatios, right, to every base saw, at that point, that those young trees will perish if you don't do any plowing, and so they, they're allowed to be plowed all the way up until our Rosh Hashanah. Wow. That halacha is a halacha l'moshim Sinai, And so that is, if you were to go out today, Barry, to your fields in Harrisburg and plow your Eser Natios, it is only because of the halacha l'moshim Sinai that you could do so. You would not be able to do so. You would have had to do it last week if you wanted to do it, were it not for the halacha l'moshim Sinai, just like all the other uh, avodas that we expend onto Shemitah. Beautiful. Okay, so that is the first of the three halacha uh, l'moshim The second is the arava, the arava ceremony on Sukkot, which Rashi uh, does describe. Okay, and then venisu uh, chamayim, which Rashi explains as well. Right, the arava lemikdash he talks about, and this nisu chamayim. Right, that we said that when he had the tamid shel shachar. So we say we said we will already we we'll learn in daf memches. Right, how are you doing in nisu chamayim? Usually you do wine. Um, but here, Chag B'Tamit Shel Shachar, you do Shtei Nisuchim, also the Nisuch HaMayim, and that Nisuch HaMayim is a Halacha Moshe Misinai. Okay, many more, obviously, Halacha Moshe Misinai. These were grouped together in that particular shir, and one of them is our topic of Hashanah Rabbah. That is where the Rabbanon learn it. They don't have to learn it from the Pasuk. Okay, so now we're five lines down on Lamadal and Lamadal. Tan Rabbanon, Avrei Nachal, HaGadela Salam Nachal, Prat Latzavtifah HaGadela Bein HaHarim. So this is fascinating, right? Because we said already that a rava can grow in the, between the harem, but uh, here it's excluding a tzaftifa, as we said. So I'm already saying my kra. Um, why? Wh- what is the source that teaches you that tzaftifa so bad? Because it says the Gemara, it's a pasuk in Yecheskel. Kach al almaim rabim tzaftifa samo. It says it's it's musr. Yecheskel saying Hashem gives you abundant waters and you use it like a tzaftzafa. You work it like a tzamo. You place it like a tzaftzafa. So I'm going to lay my parusha coming first. Wait a minute. This is what Reb is saying. But maybe that's not what it meant. Maybe it says kachal maim rabim umayniyo tzaftzafa. Right? Kachal maim rabim tzaftzafa. Go and get that, right, vegetation, whatever, that growth uh, that grows by the waters and that's the tzaftzafa. 
How do you understand it? So Sefer Zayir says, what do you mean? Ken my Samo. In other words, Samo is a word in the Pasuk that implies that you took one thing and then you and then you used it for something else. You misappropriated, right? I gave you something and you turned, I gave you gold and you turned it into dung, right? So that kind of thing. So here he's saying, I gave you that which grows a Maim Rabim. And then you turned it into a tzavtzefa. That's how we learn that we have to avoid tzavtzefa. Amar Rebbeo, Amar Karsh Baruch Hu. Rebbeo spells it out. Ani Amarti Sheyu Yisrael Lefonai Kekach Al Maim Rabim. I wanted right Klal Yisrael to be like that which is taken from Maim Rabim. Umai Nihu Arava. In other words, I wanted them to be like an Arava. Behein Samu Atzman Ketzavtzefa Shebeharim. They and they put themselves like tzavtzefa Shebeharim. One can hardly resist right the allegory here. The Maim, we know, represents Torah. The Maim Rabim represents Torah. So it's as if he's saying, I gave you the Torah and gave you all the opportunities. And the Torah, we know, is acquired through humility. And you put yourself on these giant mountains. You build these castles in the sky. And you put, and you put yourself like a tzavtzafa. So in a sense, in that sense, we know that the Arava is, in fact, probably the most humble uh, for a reason, right? It's the Ein Behem Tam Vireach. It represents um, sort of like the Hamon, um, the Amcha, what they used to call of Klal Yisrael. But even the Amcha, right, the Pashtus is certainly laudatory and they should have had the opportunity to, uh, and, and we, when we all come together in Sukkot and we grow together, etc. And so there is tremendous Achtus in that sense. Uh, whereas the Tzavtzafa, it represents like a haughtiness of some, that which grows in the mountains. So this allegory is hard to avoid. That the Arava here is being used in very laudatory terms, right? In Lishvach, that the Arava represented that which was supposed to be an outgrowth of the flowing of water and um, humility and Torah and all those things uh, perhaps represented therein. Whereas the Tzavtzafa is the haughtiness of the mountains and that's what you've done. I gave you opportunity to be humble and Torah abiding and you took to the mountains. That, that's the Gemara here. Now, 13 lines down in, in Lamed Dalet Amadalf. Ikadamasi la lahai kra amasnisa. Those who say this like the following Brisa, you'll see as Rashi points out, this is basically, you're going to learn the identical thing now. There's some minor differences in how they're doing it here. It's not Rabbi Zerah presenting it, but the Brisa itself presenting it. Be that as it may, the, some say that this was actually said in the Brisa. The same passage. And then it's Rav Zera in this um, instance. It says, Same question he had asked before. Maybe it's explaining that the Tzavtzafa is in fact the Arava. In which case, some anonymous source, according to this version, says, or as Samo says, and then Rabbi Abba expounds, and I wanted to, says the Kaddish Baruch Hu, I wanted to place Klal Yisrael like that which is Amayim uh, Rabim, that which grows from Amayim Rabim, which is the Arava Vein, Samuat Zmam Kitzavtafeshi And they, right, they aggrandize themselves like Tzavtafa in the Harim. So now we're 21 lines down in Lamadal Amnalf. Tanarabanan, Ezu Arava Bezu Tzavtafa. What in fact is an Arava and a Tzavtafa? We know that Arava is great to use, that's the kosher thing you're supposed to use, and a Tzavtafa is puzzle. So we'd like to be able to identify which is which, says the Gemara. Arava Kaneshala Adom Valeshala Mashuk Fia Khalak. Has that fa- that that familiar red stem with the elongated leaf and a smooth edge. Okay, whereas Safsafa Kaneshala Lavan, Valeshala Agol, Fia Domilamagal. Right? That's a white stem rounded leaf with the with an edge that's serrated like a stick like a sickle. 
different uh, interpretations of what a sickle serration looks like. Um, let's say it looks like it's kind of facing backwards, like maybe like a can opener in a sense. Okay. So we do have a brace that says that if it's serrated like a sickle, it should be kosher. It's only when it's serrated like a saw, which cuts both ways, as you call it, like both frontwards and backwards, um, that it's uh, also. So why are we saying here that it's saftsafa, right? The assumption here in the Gemara is that in order to be a kosher arava, it has to be lacking all three aspects of saftsafa. Can't have white stem, right, or round leaves, or this serration. But that's not necessarily true, as we see in this price. So it's possible it's kosher if that serrated aspect of it is there. You could still, so long as you have the red stem, right, and the elongated leaves, it might still be okay, which is what Abai is going to say. Amar Abai, kitanya hi bechil fagila. That brisa was taught, according to Abaye, by a very, the Chilfagila is a very well known, well, it's a very unique, I should say, Arava, that is, I guess, its uniqueness could make it well known. The fact that it's known to be kosher. In other words, it's not Arava that's kosher, but it's really the only one of its kind. It has the two aspects of the Arava, the, of the red stem and the elongated leaves, happens to also have a serrated edge, and that's the Arava uh, species that the Brisa is referring to, and the serrated edge in that particular case is not going to possible it. So in fact, this Gila Chilfa is in fact going to be okay, but that's, a very, that's an outlier. But in general, you're talking about most Aravas will have all three of those criteria, unlike the Tzavtzva. Uh, a related comment by Abayah, Amar Abayah, Shema Amina, Hai Chilfa Gila, Kasher Lahoshana. Just, you know, it's valid for Dal Minim, it's also valid for Hoshana. Uh, in this case, it means the Dal Minim. To which the Gemara says, well, that's obvious. Pshita. Everybody knows. Uh, the Aruch Laners has to explain here why this is obvious. In other words, the, the, the Havamina is strong, right? Maybe the Havamina was that you needed all three criteria. So it's not necessarily so obvious. Be that as it may, the Gemara goes on. In other words, you might have thought that since it's called the Fagila, right, that it's actually not going to be kosher because it has a different name, which maybe classifies it as a separate species and therefore can't be used for a rava. No, that the name in that particular case doesn't matter as much. It is a subspecies of a rava, but it is considered a rava nonetheless. It's it's usable for a down meaning. The Gemara asks, maybe a name should disqualify it, says the Gemara. The way we know that a ravos uh, of different species can all still be used as aravos because arve nachal suggests so. The term arve nachal in the plural in, indicates that there can be more than one type of arava uh, and it should still be uh, mutter as it says ar mikal makom. Okay. Now regarding the tzavtzafa, Amar of Chista says the Gemara, Hanitlas mili ishtanish mayim michichar beisamikdash. That this tzavtzafa, according to Chista, is a good example of one of three things. Um, that changed their name. That after the Churban Abayis, there was some, right, there was a lot, obviously that was a, um, a disruptive event, right, and things started getting mixed around and redefined and named different things, culturally disruptive as well. And so it's important to keep track of what's what, and we'll understand the Nafkami and why it's important to keep track. So one thing that changed was Chalavta Aravta and Aravta Chalavta. Right, a chilfa, which Rashi explains, 
Chilfa Arafta, Lav Hainu Chilfa Gila El Tzavtzufa. Achshav Nishtan Mishmei B'Karn Arav. In other words, we don't really care. Like if Chilfa and Arav are the same thing, so then we don't care whether you use like the Yiddish term or the Bavel term or the Hebrew term, the Mishneik term. But that's not the issue. That's what Rashi is explaining. The Chalafta was what they used to call the Tzavtzufa. So that now that's a problem. Because now they started calling that Arava. That could be very confusing, right? So, Chalafta, Arafta, Arafta, Chalafta. And they started calling the Arava Tzavtzifa. Oh, so Mayim Nafkamina, Lelulav. So obviously, right, this Nafkamina is, is very straightforward. In other words, if they started calling it Tzavtzifa, which is like the one thing you're most trying to avoid, if they started calling it Aravos, and then you sell that, and you, or you bind it, and you, and, you know, you consider that Dalaminim, obviously you're not going to be Yaitse. It's very important to keep track of this name change that Rav Chista is pointing out. Two more name changes of Rav Chista. Shipura Chatzosra. Ah, a DYC, Tafyomi coincidence. We just, today, was the first morning. Well, for you guys listening, it's yesterday. Started blowing shofar. So the shofar, they started calling Chatzosra. So Chatzosra Shipura. Ah, and they used to call Chatzosra a shofar. Mayanaf Kamina, the shofar Shavar obviously. Right? <laughs> If you start, if you bring a trumpet for your tzikios, you're not going to be yotze. It's going to be a problem. You have to know what a shofar and what a chatzotzer is, and uh, bring the proper right shofar to shul on Rosh Hashanah, habalin lutova, right accordingly. And now, finally, the third example: petorta petora. What used to be called the pesora pesorsa is now called the pesora. These are types of tables. This is a different thing. Uh, and, and vice versa, absurd, 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 absurd. So, okay, one kind of table used to be called a, a, a large table, a small table. So, Yeah, if you, if you say the word that you think means a big one, and then when it ships, it turns out it's a night table, you're going to be quite upset indeed, right? And, oh, but the guys say, you paid me already, and you paid me for this thing. And that's, in fact, what you got. So, that's it. You're stuck with the night table instead of the dining room table. Uh, okay. Right, you could also use that classic nafkamini you always say for Nadarm. I promise I'll never eat it at Pesarsa, but you said the wrong one. Okay, but be that as it may, that was another one of those things that they changed. But now we're going to uh, cite where Chista had a few examples. Rabbi will give another one. We'll have a couple more and we'll move on. Amar Afani Omer Bey Chasei Huvlila, Huvlila Bey They switched this one around. Now the Bey Chasei and the Huvlila are two types of uh, as. Uh, anatomical portions of the kosher animal's stomachs. So, it's kind of like important to call the organ one thing or another. Why? Right? If you have a needle, this is already getting into, you know, hardcore chulin. Some of the, some of the um, organs were thicker and they had to be, and that you, in order to be considered a trefa, a needle would have to be sticking out all the way through to the other side. Whether, whereas the thinner ones, it only had to puncture it a little bit in order to be considered a trefa. Um, this has to do with anatomy names of the stomach portions of those animals in order to uh, keep it straight, in order to know this is a, a cautious issue for Tzvi Holland and his friends. Okay, final example of, of these meaning changes. Hey, I also have one. Bavel Bursif and Bursif Bavel. Yeah. The names of countries could sometimes change. And so, right, like we always talk about bubble. Well, bubble now is Iraq, right? So Mesopotamia, you know, what's Mesopotamia? So Buzzle is Bubble became Bursif and Bursif became Bubble. Why do we care about the name changes? 
That's important. Afkamina legite nashim. Yeah, go to the first staff and get in. And you'll see, Bifane Nachta, Bifane Nachtam, the difference between Medina Sayyam and, ba- and, and, and certain, certain parts of Eretz Israel and Bavel. You need to know where you're from in order to, in order to identify. That's one possibility. Um, and, right. And that, that, that's, that's what Rashi is quoting, right? The difference between um, Borsif and Bavel. Borsif was what used to be in Israel. I mean, Borsif was in Israel and Bavel was in Bavel. But Borsif, as you'll learn over there in the beginning of Gittin, was uh, appropriately so named because it was close enough to Bavel that people there were not uh, learned, very learned. In those days, Bavel was not... Okay, so, so you're talking about an area where... One area is Chutzlarts, one area is Aristotle, but uh, have Burim, and they, they used to call Bavel because it was Chutzlarts, they used to call it Shmutzlarts, but really Shmutzlarts was Borsif, which was in Aristotle, etc., etc. So th- those things, those two places were, were switched. It's important to know where it came from, to know whether the aid, aid they get that come from that place have to say Fascinating. Fine. So we've arrived at the Mishnah on Lamed Dalet on the Bays. Uh, how are we doing on time? Okay, we have 17 minutes. Let's go. The, the, we, we hit all that lumdus. This one is, goes a little uh, smoother. So before we get into the Esrog proper, we're going to talk about the Dalad Minim set. Rabbi Shemal says what that which we're used to, right? The three Hadassim, the two Aravas, the Lulav Echad, the one Esrog, boom. That's exactly what you're used to. When it comes to the Hadassim, even if two of them are clipped, it's fine. Rabbi Tarfan Omer, Afilu Shloshan Ketum. Rabbi Tarfan says, guess what? All three could be clipped. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Kashem Shalulav Echad, Vasrag Echad, Kachadas Echad, Arava Achas. Right? An unusual Shita that we're not used to that you just bring one of each. Makes sense now that you think about it, right? But the Gemara says, where is this, where is Rabbi Shemal going to get this source for all of these numbers? Tanya. Rabbi Shemal, it says like this, Omer, Pre-Eitz Adar Hadar Echad. Right? Look at the Pasuk. Pre-Eitz Adar. That's one. Kapos Tmarim. I would say that that's two. Says the Gemara, Kapos Tmarim Echad. That's one. Ah, because Kapos is Chaser. We'll see. Okay, so that's one. Uh, Tmarim. Okay. Because it's one kapos of Atmerim, we'll see. Anaf eitzavos shlosha. Why? We'll see. Arve nachal shtaim. That we could see. That's two. Afilu shnaim ketumim ve'echad sheino katum. Rabbi Tafan Omer shlosha ve'afilu shloshtam ketumim. And there we say, uh, incidentally, that they're valid even if the the hadasim are even if two are clipped, as we said. Rabbi Tafan Omer even if all three are clipped. So what's going on here? And, and just we quote Rabbi Kiva Omer kashem shelo ve'echad ve'asrogechad karach. So, Amar Allah Rabbi Eliezer, Yachol Ya'esra Giman Baguda Achas, maybe you would thought that you'd have to tie them all together, meaning uh, if they're all one thing and they're all kind of on the same equal footing, maybe they should all be bound together. He's at, Rabbi Eliezer is asking Rabbi Akiva. So, V'chi Nemar Pre'etz Hadar V'chapos Tamarim. But the Pasuk in fact says, but it doesn't say Pre'etz Hadar V'chapos Tamarim that they should be together. Right? If you look at the Pasuk, there's no Vav. So it sounds like those are now going to be the Priyets Hadar, right? So ironic, 
it's not ironic really. The absence of the vav separates the hadas. I'm sorry, the hadar, the esrog. It separates out the esrog from the from the rest of the dalad minim, and that is the point over here that the absence of the vav makes it sound that it's not together, and then. The Gemara continues, How do we know that they in fact are? Meaning that if, as Rashi explains, if you're missing one, then all four are going to be puzzled. That the Lakicha has to be Tama, means all of them have to be together. That is what the Lakicha Tama defines. Amazing. Okay, so now let's look at the Rabbi Shmuel's reasoning. Rabbi Shmuel, What is this idea of you could have some of them Niktam and some of them not? If you need shalom, so all three should be shalom. He thinks that you need three lachatchila, right? So why shouldn't they all be shalom? Ilo b'shalom. They don't need to be shalom. Filuchad namilo. So then, right? So then hold like that. They could all be. Um, they could all be niktam. So Amar Bira, Amar Rabbi Ami, Bira now said the name of Rabbi Ami. Chazar bar Rishmal. Yeah, Rishmal in fact retracted that he was chazer. First, he thought that you need all three, but later he decided, you're right, only one essential hadas that's whole, similar to the sheet of Rabbi Kiva, has to be uh, in place. Wow. So now we're in the middle of the page on Lamadalad and Bez, and we're cruising. I'm Rabbi Yudam Shmuel, Halacha Kirby Tarfon. Wow. In fact, the Halacha Kirby Tarfon, the Kula, that you can have clipped hadas. The Gemara says, Ve'azda Shmuel Atameh. He holds like himself, Darmalu Shmuel, Lahanri Dimizabni Asa. Shmuel used to tell those who sold Hadassim, Ashru Vizabinu, sell the Hadassim, um, don't price gouge. Sell them for real value. Ve'ilo, and he threatened them. He said, Ilo, Dershina Tarfon. I'm going to give public drushes uh, and halachic, right, ruling that everybody could hold like Rabbi Tarfon. My time, why did he threaten to hold like Rabbi Tarfon? He held like Rabbi Tarfon. Elam Shum Demekil. If you think that Rabbi Tarfon, it's because Rabbi Tarfon was the most lenient, well, he wasn't necessarily Rabbi Kiva. He would have said, the leaders look Rabbi Kiva to make up faith. Right? Because Rabbi Tarfon, right, held that you needed, that they could be niktam, but all three. Uh, but you needed all three. Whereas Rabbi Akiva only required one. That would imply, that would seem to imply that Rabbi Kiva is the most makel. However, Rabbi Kiva is in fact more lenient. It's not exactly the case. Uh, and therefore, right, and therefore, if Rabbi Kiva is more lenient, so then, it turns out that the reason why uh, Shmuel quoted Rabbi Tarfon is because the actual the halacha is like Rabbi Tarfon. He actually held like him. Fascinating, right? If he's just trying to be make, he may have said Rabbi Kiva. Why so? Because says the Gemara. Plus, the ketume shchichi chad lo katam lo shchichi, chad v'lo katam lo shchiach. So really, it's not a great raya because Rabbi Tarfon. Uh, Rabbi Tarfon is not more. Is not in fact. In the end, Rabbi Tarfon is the most lenient. Why? Because, in fact, you might have thought that it's easier to, uh, to have only one Hadas, but that's not true. To find one Hadas, as Rabbi Kiva demands, which is Shalem, right? Chad Velokatum, it's Loshriach at all. It's like a diamond in the rough. And therefore, that is not necessarily Mekel at all. It's Rabbi Tarfon who allows you to have three broken ones, which are a dime a dozen. He's the most Mekel, in fact, so he was Mekel like Rabbi Tarfon. Okay. So now we're on the Mishnah, on the bottom of Lamdalam and Bez, and we're going to get to the Esrog in earnest. We have here 11 minutes. Here we go. Esrog, a Gazova Yavish puzzle. Okay. So he said, just like we said by the Lulav, just like we said by the Hadas and the Arava, 
It can't be Gazel, it can't be Yavesh. It's going to be Puzzle, right? It says Lachem, and certainly by the pre eight Hadar of the Esrog, it's going to be a Psul. Shall Asher Vishalir Nidachas Puzzle, if it's Yavesh. Shall Asher Vishalir Nidachas Puzzle, as we learned earlier, right? Um, it's burnt up. It's going to be Puzzle. Shall Orla Puzzle. So now we're going to get to the things to the, uh, which are very unique to the Esrog uh, as a fruit. So we know that you're not allowed to get Hanal from Orla, right? You're not allowed to use Orla, okay? And therefore, this mitzvah, even though you say mitzvah's love, lehenas nitznu, right? The Gemara is going to explain, right, why this is going to be Aser uh, to get, to use the Esrog of Orla, okay? It's a, it's a, right, it's a fascinating concept that we already saw Right, with regards to the Lulav, if you have an Isra Hanah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't use it for a mitzvah, because mitzvah Nav Nehenas but we'll see why this Orla Psul is in fact uh, valid in the case of the Esrog, okay? Shall Truma Tamei Apostle? Truma, that's Tamei, is going to be Apostle. Shall Truma Tahora, Lo Yitov Ibnatal Kasher. Now we're going to have a series. We've already had uh, seen uh, some of these before, not in this Masechta, but in the past. We have seen this, this sort of hybrid where we don't want to do it, but if you do it, it's going to be kosher. With regards to Demai and, uh, and Truma Tahora and the like, the Gemara, this will be a good review for us because the Gemara is going to go through right the reasoning behind these. But for now, let's just get the Mishnah down um, so we know what Peshat is. Okay, so, so Truma, obviously Tamea is going to be puzzle here and Tahora is not. Uh, it's going to be, right, lo um, yitol, you shouldn't do it l'chachila, but if you did, imnatol kasher. Similarly, demai, right, we don't know if meiser was taken off or not. We have a suffix, beit shamai, poslin, beit sil, mechshirin. You will recognize this once we review it. These are uh, famously the shita of beit shamai, beit sil, with regards to demai, and shall meiser sheni be yishalayim, lo yitol, similarly, vimnatol kasher. That the esrog itself was ma'aseh That's inside your shalim. Then you should not, right, bring it. But if you, you should not use it for dalamidim, and if you did, it would be kosher. Finally, esrog book defects here. Also chazases al rubo. If you boil or if you have a boil around the majority of the esrog or nitla pitamo pitmaso. Right, famously, if the pitam falls off, it's going to be pasal niklaf. Right, it's peeled off nisdak. It's split nike the chaser kolshu. And it was punctured and it's missing a portion puzzle. It's invalid. It's puzzle. Also, Chazazis on the Uto. However, if you have on a minority of the Esrog boils, Nital Ukto, or if the bottom part, the stem, is removed, or Nike Velochas or Koshu, but let's say it's punctured, right? But it's not punctured like a chunk was taken out of it. It just has like a pinhole in it, Kosher. That's going to be Kosher. Esrog Akushi puzzle. Rashi says Kushi is literally from Ethiopia. Um, and also happens to be that the esrog in there are dark. That's puzzle. Vayarik kekarsi, kekarsi. If it's green like karsi, it's unclear. Mishnah usually when it says yarik, it means yellow. Here it says like a leak, so we'll have to discuss that in the Gemara. Mm-hmm. That is in fact a machlokas. Now the proper size of shir esrog, shir esrog hakaton. It's the size of a walnut or an egg. But a large esrog, a size that you can hold two of them in one hand. That even if you can hold 
you would need one to hold in both hands. Uh, most Mepharshim will explain that you can actually have it bigger than what's held in both hands. In other words, it sounds like there's no limit to the shear in terms of the larger size, although that's not necessarily obvious. Um, and the question is, uh, that is raised here is, is there a sort of implied machlokis here as to whether you need to hold all down minim together uh, in both hands or not? Uh, according to Rabbi Yossi, it would imply that you not, don't necessarily have to because look at how you're using both hands to hold up the esrog. So that is the end of the Mishnah. And Bezrat Hashem, we will resume tomorrow uh, live in B'nai Jacob Sharazain with Daf Lamed Hay. Uh, on the very first word. So we've gotten to the very bottom of Lama Dalam and Bez, Bez Hashem, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow.